1: Today I'm speaking with Lainey Richardson. She's a multi-award winning director from London. She's worked on some amazing campaigns and films, most recently with Adobe and Little Sims and Football Beyond Borders. Her work is so good. She has her very own distinctive style and has the ability to just capture and evoke emotion through her work. You always leave with something from her films and campaigns, like a feeling, like a warm feeling. I'm sure you will have some amazing takeaways from this episode. So keep listening and let's get into this episode. Thank you so much for coming, Lainey. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And that was an incredible introduction <laughs> that made me
2: feel really great. I feel really good about that's, myself now.
1: That's what I want to... I wanna, and it's not fake, yeah, you know. It's, yeah. It is truly how I feel. Yeah. Amaz- your work is amazing. And it really just does, like, fill you up with a sense of like emotion, you feel like you can, you know, resonate with your work, you know, especially as a person of colour, like a lot of the themes in your work of recent seem to be sort of those sort of themes. So I'm really, really happy to have you here. Um, I know you were ill recently weren't yeah. you so you all recovered from all recovered COVID. from covid it finally got me i was
2: so proud that i managed to get like two years oh
1: my god two years around without
2: having it none of my family had it we were like really really cautious oh um god. so Amazing. cautious and then yeah then my friend gave it to me oh. um, while i was on holiday
1: oh no <laughs> you know what i managed to uh, escape it maybe just to when did i get it is it december yeah just before christmas i got it and i was just Oh my god, it really got me. Did it get really good? Really, 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 really yeah. got me. Really, yeah. got me <laughs> really got me. Like good. All of the te ta- e- the taste and smell. I didn't
2: lose taste and smell, but I've got tinnitus. Oh my god. And I still have that. Oh my so god. So I'm hoping my ears will
1: recover. Recover. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, you're happy, you're healthy, you're yeah, here. I'm Just good. Just returned here. back from LA as yes, well. Yeah. Was that working or?
2: Work and pleasure amazing. Um, I had two friends who were going out there who are also, um, like directors and writers. Um, and they were like, Come, 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 come. And I thought it'd be a great opportunity to speak to my reps over there because I've got uh reps at Imposter New York, nice, and uh, I'm some with Caviar in London, uh, the Netherlands, and uh, Belgium
1: Amazing. and
2: they have an office in LA as well so I thought let me go and meet the guys over in LA again I've, I've seen all these people before but only on online. zoom <laughs> only yeah, online. yeah exactly so, so it's thought, good
1: to have that personal connection yeah yeah, yeah. so I met
2: some of my west coast reps um met with um the caviar team met with a film team um and also it it's good to sort of like you know nurture those relationships and see what I can do like the next time I go over there because yeah, I've been sure. working on uh, a screenplay a pilot a comedy pilot oh so no way. yeah okay. so i'm gonna need to go right. back to
1: la and yeah, yeah, yeah. do pitching and stuff okay amazing we'll get into that yeah, a bit yeah, later yeah. i just wanted to speak a bit about how i know you laney yeah. um i met laney through one of my cousins my best friend's cousin um Lilani, and um i don't even remember when i, I met you i couldn't Maybe i couldn't a tell you in who knows i'm not sure
2: no? I, I don't know. I feel like it was probably one of Leilani's birthdays, birthdays because something. she always
1: had big birthdays with like yes, all the family around. That's true. That's true. So yeah, probably one of those. But anyway, I've known Lainey for quite some time now and have admired her work. Um, Near and far, um, and yeah, we're gonna get into you know a bit about what she does and who she is. So, if I just get you to introduce yourself, yeah, sure,
2: yeah. yeah. So, um, as Martin said, I'm Lainey Richardson. I'm a London-based uh, film director and screenwriter. Um, as mentioned, I'm signed um, in kind of a few European countries and the States um, represented for commercials and music videos. Um, but my background, I guess, was in, I guess, short form, like short form filmmaking. So um, I've done some documentaries and some short dramas or should I say drama slash experimental films. <laughs> um, and then more recently, I've been kind of making a fray into screenwriting as well. Nice,
1: yeah. nice. Amazing. So where did your interest of media first start mm. is that was that in your family? Did your mum or dad do it, or absolutely not? Child, did it, where did it?
2: Yeah, where is it born from? Definitely not from my well, sort of from my family in the sense that when. When I was really young, we always had like film night every Friday night. Right. So it was back in Amazing. the day when you go to the video shop with yes, like, yeah, you'd probably butter. go in with like two pounds and come out with like three films <laughs> and like 50 piece worth of penny sweets. Yes, that yes, was like our Friday ritual. Yes. Every Friday we did that without, without like fail. So I'd always kind of had a diet of watching lots of films and I probably watched films that were, you know, way beyond my age. Yeah. Very, very, very young. I remember watching a, like a Kubrick film when I was probably like seven or eight or yeah. something. Yeah. Um, But I don't think I was very kind of conscious of what filmmaking actually was. It was just there. Yeah. And it wasn't until I was about 13 or 14... I used to have kind of insomnia for a while. Right. So I'd be up late at night, not able to sleep. And then I would kind of just work on the television. And that was when, I think it was, I'm not sure it was BBC or Channel 4, maybe it was Channel 4, but like they'd put on art house films at like two in the morning. Yes. Yeah. And they were like really, good. really yeah. good films. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I'd end up sort of watching those. And I never really been exposed to kind of art house independent foreign film before. So discovering that myself was when I had that light bulb moment and I watched a film that was like a French film that kind of had me move to tears, not because it was sad but just that thing where you are in awe of of what an art form can do, like how I'm being moved by something. Yes, and that, yeah, yeah. that that notion that I was a 13-year-old girl watching a film made by probably a middle-aged French guy in yeah. the <laughs> suburbs of, you know, <laughs> southern France. Yeah. And he was really connecting with me. And I just thought that's such an incredible thing to be able to do to move people emotionally. And I think that was the moment where I was just like, I want to be a film director. Yeah. and I, And I think at that point, and probably for many years after that, I think i think a lot of people think that the film director kind of does is everything like it's the heart the soul of of the the work yeah and it's it's kind of true to a degree but kind of not true there's so many people involved in it that make it work it's so collaborative yeah and i actually feel like i've only really learned really recently that actually i feel like the writer does a lot of the (laughs) origination of it and creates the story world direction
1: yeah Yeah, exactly so Mm -hmm. i
2: think I'd resisted writing for many years and I'd had friends who told me who were kind of uh, writing as well that, you know, if I want to be a director and I want to direct work that, you know, speaks to me, that will resonate with myself and the kind of audience that I want to have, I'm going to need to write that story myself because then they don't exist. They're not being being made, they're not being written, they don't Mm. exist, they're not prolific. So the only way I'm going to get the kind of piece that I would want to direct is if I write it. Yeah. i didn't know how to write right (laughs) and i kind of hated
1: writing before when i was trying when you don't know what you're doing it's really hard writing's really hard the composition and there is so much because i watch my sister writing as well and um she sends it off to like script editors to have a look at and she gets notes back and it's just like i'm kind of learning vicariously not that i'm i'm just a overseer interesting you know i'm just interested in what she's doing but um It's just really interesting to see what she gets back and the little sort of small bits that they tinker with to kind of really, you know... Yeah, strengthen it up and make it tight. Yeah, yeah, it's a
2: lot. And I think think it's one thing, and I think it's a big thing in and of itself to have like the idea or the ideas that are going to form part of of the kind of story world and the character world that's like one thing which is already quite hard to achieve but to then have those ideas and then formulate them into like a script format and make it work with acts and jokes or whatever it is that you're doing yeah, yeah. that's that hard is as well yeah <laughs> really, yeah really hard. so you're, that's something you're learning at the moment or yeah. did, you, did you study or take no people? i didn't study mm-hmm. it i basically i think i did like one short screenwriting course maybe like 10, 15 years ago sure. Just for like When I was first Like you know Starting out um, But no formal education In it And I think I just learned From trying and failing and I think every time I wrote in the beginning I I hated what I wrote and it just didn't work and I didn't understand you know how to write a screenplay um but every kind of year I'd have another try when my confidence would sort of rebuild yeah I would try again (laughs) like I can do it now and then I'm like no I can't I actually can't and I'd leave it again for another year and each year I'd come back and basically do that and I'd read sort of um screenwriting books in between and then what started to happen um, was probably like a couple years ago when I was living in Amsterdam, I was trying to write again. And mm-hmm. this time I listened to like a bunch of um, screenwriting podcasts. Right. Okay. And I think I learned really well from like listening, listening. and watching and doing. Same, same, So I could just put podcasts on and if they're engaging, I can listen to the same one yeah. over and over again. Yeah. And so I did that and that was... That was really a bit of a game changer for me, um, because I could listen to, to an episode that was specifically on the thing I was struggling with, whether it yeah. was character development or how you do the ending or how you set up the world in the beginning. Like I could literally just be like, okay, yeah. I'm listening to this you is how you do this that particular thing. element. Yeah. And yeah. that's kind of how I learned and then I started to sort of like I think then I think the main thing as well is 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 that, but then also sending my reading lots of scripts. That's I think where I've learned a ton is from reading obviously I'm writing a um, comedy pilot so kind of a half an hour comedy So I just read a bunch of comedy pilots. So any kind of comedy that I saw that I loved or thought was brilliant Mm. um, or just thought was told in an interesting way or had Mm. really interesting dialogue, I would like literally immediately go online and like type in the name of the show and write PDFs. So I'd get a free version of it and I'd read it and be able to kind of understand the architecture of that person's work and understand their kind of tone and their style and their flow. And so and then also look on the on the not just in terms of like their creativity, but in terms of like the nuts and bolts of screenwriting, if there was a particular thing, like say I wanted to write a flashback to the past or I wanted to... Um, I do know, jump around in the scene or do something really interesting and you're like, but how do you put that in a format that is standard, that yes. is going to be understood? Because you have to match the rules of the game. Of course, of course. So then I'd, you know, I'd remember something I'd seen where it happened and I'd find that script and I'd read it and I'd be like, oh, that's how you do it. You write this and then you put that there and then you
1: do this and, it, and then it's clear. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's where I think I've learned a hell of a lot is from reading. Amazing. And the thing is, when I, from what I knew of you before mm. the making of fil- film, I knew you to be working at sort of one of the most sort of biggest, uh, advertising firms. Yeah. Um, so talk me about, obviously I know at the, what you're doing at the moment, but talk me about sort of you, um, maybe leaving formal education. Maybe did you go into working with, I, I don't know if you want to name who they are, but did you go straight into working with them? Like what was that journey into? Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, that journey was quite a long journey. Um, I initially, when I was doing my A levels, I initially had applied to study psychology. Love psychology, still do. Mm-hmm. But I, at that point, had known for years that I wanted to be a film director. Right. And so I'd applied and I got my conditional offers, but it just didn't feel sit good. Sit right, it yeah. just didn't sit
1: right with me. Um, was that a pressure from like family to do go down of, that yeah, road? Kinda okay. Yeah,
2: kind of. Yeah you know my dad's my dad's side's Ghanaian so mm. it's it's very you know traditional, traditional to yeah. go into something more academic and I was quite an academic and creative I'm very half and half yes yeah. so I had the grace to, to go to, the route of the yeah, academia of academic route so I think that also made it a bit, a, a, big, a bit difficult to yeah. kind of approach the topic of being like I want to I want to be a in,
1: creative but, Yeah. What does that they're like film. what does that even mean? Yeah, like, how, like, are that? Yeah. how are you going to you make money? How And I cannot <laughs> I couldn't even answer those questions. Yeah. So it's it's a fair
2: it's a fair <laughs> worry. Yeah. I can't answer them. So I think I think I kind of I kept trying to get the problem was I think I kept trying to get advice. We live in a different time that like, there wasn't the internet like there was now. yeah, and um, people weren't as knowledgeable as they are now. And I, I, I was very much from a really young age, really thirsting for this career.
1: Amazing. Like
2: I got my first work experience in a production company when I was fourteen myself, and that was because we had work experience with my school, and they you all put kind of your names in and said what kind of work you wanted to do, and I'd said even from then you know I want to work in film and TV, and I, and again it wasn't personal. I think it was just sort of like. They did it kind of randomly, but the point was you're meant to say what you want to do if you know, and then yeah. you get matched up to your career. And I I yeah. had a friend of mine, who was a really good friend, lovely person, but she had no clue what she wanted to do. Right. And I was like, I want to work in film and TV. <laughs> and she got work experience at the BBC. No. And I got sent to the home office. No. The home office. <laughs> the home office. So I was just like, oh right. Oh my God. Not okay. And they didn't have the voice at that point to, because now I look back, I'm like, I should have just like... Either myself said something or asked my mom to say something, but I just I had just so much respect for authority, of I course. just accepted it. Yeah. But then I was like, well, I'm going to go get my own. Work. I went to home office, but I was like, I'm going to get my own work experience. So I worked in a production company for a couple of weeks over my summer holidays. Nice. Got a bit of experience there. Nice. And they were doing music videos. Um and commercials. And how
1: were you how old were you then? I think I was fourteen.
2: Amazing. Yeah, I was fourteen. Oh. And this was um back in the the production company I went to, they had the directors who did like um is it So Solid Crew? Yeah, yeah. Who yeah, were yeah, really big yeah. at the times? Yeah, <laughs> so it was all no that sort of stuff was going on there. That's fantastic. Yeah, so I did that um again applied to do uh, psychology and then at the last minute I was like I'm not going Mm. and had to have that conversation Mm. with with my dad just like it's not it's not happening and yeah
1: um
2: I respect my dad loads love him to pieces Uh, and I I often take a lot of guidance from him he's a very very good mentor but sometimes you know and you know when you know know know. and at those points I had to sort of put my foot down and so I took a, took uh one year out that turned into two years out, um, worked in a clothes shop in Camden town, but then I would um do like experiences in, in production companies as well. So yeah. I'd go run for a couple of weeks in a, you know, a film production company or a um, music video production company and kinda of did that trying to kind of get my foot in the door. Of course. But yeah. I could never really get get my foot in any doors and yeah. couldn't really see why, why do
1: you think that was? Do you think there was any kind of barriers that were put yeah, up against ab- you, being a young woman? A- absolutely. I think I think back then, there were tons. I think
2: we live in a different time now, especially after like, the most recent kind of changes within the world in terms yes. of like the Black Lives Matter movement. Of course. We're in very, very different times. And I think back then, I think I felt very invisible. Yeah. I felt invisible as a woman. I felt invisible as a black person. Yeah. I don't think there was anybody any of the production companies that I worked at that was of colour, any of them. Um, And I wasn't treated badly or anything. Um, If I was, it was more of a gender thing Mm. because obviously it's quite a male-dominated industry. Of course, yeah. Um, But I just never felt like... um, I felt like as a runner... Um, not everywhere because some places really appreciated me but some places just kind of I felt a bit used right? or just there to fulfil just a, a to fulfil the need yeah.
1: but there was no kind of like they weren't trying to mould you not they exactly. weren't trying to push you exactly. forward exactly and yeah. as somebody who was thirsting
2: for guidance mentoring support anything um, really, I was always a grafter I come yeah. from a grafting family so, sounds, I, I really I worked that. hard to yeah. just be really good and shine and I think I did shine in those places but people just weren't really like noticing yeah and I didn't know what to do. Yeah. And I think um, I was working at uh, one in East London that I'd worked at for some time. actually ended up being there for like sort of six months while I was still working in this shop. And um, their MD, who was actually really nice, um, obviously a kind of authority figure who kind of garnered a lot of respect, but she was not nice. We never spoke much, but she was always pleasant, probably more pleasant than a lot of the other staff who worked there. And I remember one time I was covering as office manager and... It was quiet. And then she just out randomly out the blue just kind of came up to me and was just like, so tell me about you. Like, who are you? Wow. Like, why, what are you doing here? Like, what are you hoping for? Just wow. like out of nowhere, which was just really sweet because she didn't need to do of that. Course. So we just sat and had this like candid chat and I said how I wanted to be a film director and I, I didn't know how to break in or what to do. And I've been sort of doing these work experiences, but they're not really going anywhere. Yeah. And then all she said was that their top directors there had all gone to art school and studied photography um and she said it gave them a really good eye for kind of visual communication Mm. the lens how to tell story kind of the conceptual side of image making so i was just like like i said i was so like um i was so kind of starved of information i was just like okay well i can run with that yeah 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 yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. and she said they went to Camboy college of arts i was like okay okay i'm going there i'm going there i'm going there (laughs) Okay, okay, <laughs> photography. I can go. On. Okay, yes. I'm done. I had my notes. I'm done. I'm leaving now. I'm leaving. Bye. <laughs> that was literally what happened. Um, so I didn't have um, a, a portfolio. So I did a short kind of photography course to kind yeah. of get my get a portfolio together. Most people who had done that degree had done an art foundation but I cobbled enough together to kind of to, be, to get, get over yeah, that get yeah over that, get over that amazing over that amazing and then went there and and very quickly I started doing kind of more documentary video yeah did have some photography projects in the first year but I quickly kind of again just went back to my roots of what yeah. I'm into yeah did a lot of documentary work there um, and then after that I think I st- I, again it, I think when I graduated in 2008 it was the year of the recession. Right. So suddenly I couldn't get work. It was kind of crazy out there. Oh my
1: goodness.
2: Um so I ended up um so this is kind of the theme of this long-winded story to how I got to where I am now, is I've kind of done a lot of things that are just outside or adjacent to what to I want, want, to want to be do. doing. Because if I can't do the thing I want to do, I just want to learn close Something
1: by? as close... Yeah, as close, <laughs> just enough to be convincing yeah, when you want to approach that. Yeah. yeah, and that I'm not wasting my time. Of course, yeah. So I worked at film festivals. Right.
2: Um, did a bunch of those. And then I felt like... I think the... It, I loved it. And I, I, I think... When I had that epiphany when I was a kid and I wanted to be a film director, it was a two point epiphany. One was like, I want to be a film director. And the second night bulb, bulb was, if I can't be a film director, for me, the next best thing would be to do a job where I get to watch films. Right. I don't know what that job is. I don't know if it even exists. But yeah. like, if I can't make films, I, I want to watch, watch them. them. Yeah. And so working at film festivals and kind of getting into the idea of becoming a film programmer was that second job thing where if if you're a film programmer you get to watch all the films and screenings and stuff and put programs together so that was kind of what I started moving towards and got to be a film programmer and I just felt like as much as I love that if you're a maker and a creative like supporting other people to do their art form is actually quite excruciating. Yes,
1: yeah, because you're like, oh, I want to do, I want to be involved, I want to be involved, yeah, I want to yeah. be able to do
2: this, and yeah. you're watching loads of films of like lots of different calibre in terms of standards, mm. and you're also watching things. That you're like, I can't do that, but I could do that. Yeah. I, can, I can do better <laughs> than that. Yeah. I can definitely do better than that. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so I was kind of like, I need to like take another leap and mm. try again, and so I quit. That world started working, took a kind of pay cut, started working at, um, actually worked at um, what used to be called the Curzon Renoir, which is now the Curzon Bloomsbury. Right, yeah. And just thought, okay, I'll take a pay cut. But what I noticed is that people who were there were often like filmmakers and stuff and they're like writing their scripts while they're at, at the till or while they're ushering and stuff. So I was like, let me go there. And start writing. Mm. So I started writing while I was there, and then I decided to make my documentary, Tick
1: in the Turkey, which was in South Africa. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I remember I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And
2: I think that was my second Was film. that the one guy did? Yeah, music I did the music score for that, yeah. which okay. he was nominated for an award. Incredible score. I think yeah. that's still my favourite work of his. Yeah. 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 Stunning score. Um, so I think I'd done a short film somewhere in there as well, and then I did this kind of 52 minute documentary in Cape Town on amazing. like no money and we just had that thing was just like, right, I've just gotta go and the do it. The drive this. to just get just down gonna, and just, just do gotta go and do it and yeah. figure it out. And that was like my first... that was my second film and I think that's probably still one of the films I'm most proud of.
1: Yeah, amazing. Yeah. So that also just that making that work was like, yeah, I can do this. Absolutely. It, it, it definitely gave you that sort of drive to be like, actually, like, this is the confidence that I need. I can look at this piece of work and I can I can definitely do yeah, this, especially and, especially and more.
2: when you do it on nothing. Like you do it on nothing yes, with yes. no experience, no formal training, yeah, yeah, nothing, yeah. just purely on your own resources and your own imagination and creativity. Yeah, um, I'll try and summarize the end bit really quickly. So then after that, um, yeah, I, actually it was, it was from making that documentary, Tick in the Turkey. I worked with a good friend of mine, Ben Canny, who's an editor. And again, we had no money. So he did, he's a really good editor, but he did it as a favour. And so basically I sat with him for two weeks while he cut this documentary. And so while we're kind of talking, I think the thing that hit me was that I was so fucking broke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and especially when you're making a film because you pump even more money into the film. Of course. To make, get it done. And I was so painfully broke and had been for quite some time. And I just, I think I thought to myself... I want to be a filmmaker more than anything. And if I am a filmmaker, I'll be happy. Yes. And then I was at the point where I was being a filmmaker and I wasn't happy because I was like... I'm not getting anything I'm, in. Yeah. yeah, yeah I'm yeah. starving. I'm exhausted. Yeah, yeah. And this isn't going to work for me. Yeah. So then I kind of Starving thought, artist. Yeah, starving <laughs> artist. This isn't going to work for me. I don't yeah. come from money or anything. Yeah, yeah. So my dad had said one thing to me before. He'd said... Um, he's like, I don't know anything about your world or what you do, but the one advice I can give you is... Uh, find something that's a skill. If you can find something that's a skill that you can... Because if you've got a skill, you can always... Always, uh, get always work. Uh, You can always get work. You can always yeah. get work. Once you do that, you'll be that's okay. That's so true. That's and I, so true. I thought of that and I thought of my friend who was making kind of a shit ton per day yeah. who was editing and I was just like... And it was, I realised it was a lot more creative than I thought it was. I was like, you also, yes, the director makes the film, but the writer makes the film and the editor makes the film. So I was just like, this is also like storytelling. Yes, yeah. And so he actually trained me while we were cutting that doc to edit.
1: Right. So I was like,
2: this could be the skill thing. Um... And I could earn a God, day Everything
1: rate. is just, just like
2: yeah, <laughs> all just links in and just layers That's up. Amazing. So I was like, yeah, I can earn money from this, mm. and I can still be a filmmaker, but I can earn some money. And so he kind of trained me in that that fortnight and he was like I could be his assistant when he does mm. big jobs and stuff so I assisted him on a couple of jobs and then I he actually linked me in with Wieden & Kennedy which is the advertising agency that I worked at yes. for a few years um, and kind of worked my way up there so I, I, think, I, I think I freelanced a bit first then went in house at Wieden & Kennedy as an editor Yeah, um, started as an assistant editor kind of worked my way up to like doing stuff independently there yeah um also did kind of filming for them and a bit of photography for them um and then was there for a few years and then from there i went freelance um and yeah edited in london and amsterdam and then at the same time kind of did a film every kind of couple
1: of years yeah 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 so you eventually taking that leap and leaving wider than kennedy was that because at that time i mean when was that number one and like was that the moment you knew I need to sort of get out of this full-time edit- editing gig and like, actually give myself back to getting yeah. out there and directing film. Like, what what happened there? Yeah, I think even
2: with that long story I told you about how I yeah, got yeah, to where yeah. I am, I feel like every time I've made a decision, it's been because I've been like, let me try this and see if that works better. And I try mm. it and it doesn't work better. So I think, well, let me re strategize and try mm. something else. And mm. I think I'm constantly reshaping I'm still even doing it now you yeah, just constantly yeah, yeah, getting yeah. closer and just tweaking tweaking, and tweaking. It, I, changing was like, I was
1: actually speaking to my sister about this the other day and I was just like oh, life you just you're constantly tweaking it's almost like a board you're just moving these little bricks around and like reconfiguring. configuring um and it's just it's constant you, you're never in a place of like I mean, maybe one day you get to a place of like, all right, I'm here. (laughs) But for me right right now, it's just it's It's a constant constant. reconfiguration. But actually, I think it's a beautiful thing. And I do try to really enjoy it, although it can be quite stressful, stressful, strenuous, and sort of sometimes leaves you with, with no money. But it's important that you are constantly reevaluating. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah your definitely, situation. because it's
2: a journey, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And it's a career. It's not like you get to the career and you've done it. Like the career spans a lifetime, <laughs> yeah, 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 and it's constantly changing. So I think, yeah, is that kind of weird sort of Jenga thing? So I think when I went from freelance editing to in-house editing, it was like, well, I thought if I have the stability now and the financial stability for the first time in my life, yeah. I can still make films, you know, I don't know when, weekends or holidays or somewhere. I'd make films at the same time, but have a steady income and I'd be learning, you know, doing a skill. But then once I was doing that, you know, working in advertising is one of the most demanding areas to work in. um, And it can kind of burn you out. I think I did still make, I think, one or two films while I was working there, but I just didn't have... um, the creative capacity, like my creative juices, like almost like they shriveled up,
1: right? Because I was
2: using everything I had to kind of do my day job. Yes, and
1: yeah, then when course. I would,
2: I would leave to go home, and be like, I actually have enough energy when I'm leaving work to write tonight. And by the time I've commuted, I'm wiped out. Yeah, yeah, I'm wiped out. And yeah. and I it was also the point where like I made a short film. Um, while I was in the advertising agency. And uh, I showed it to my friend, who's a filmmaker, and I think it's, I think I told him the idea over the phone. And then I listened to it all. And then at the end, he was like, that just sounds like an ad. And I was just <laughs> like, oh shit, it seeped in. It's, C10. it's, C10. it's, it's C10. ruining <laughs> me. No, no, what's happened? Oh my God. You that was just a sign. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. It was the way I was starting to think. Yeah, so I was yeah, just yeah. like, this is a sign. Um, and I think I... I finally got to the point where I'd saved a tiny bit of money and I was just like, I think I got offered a job uh, to do with some creatives in the Netherlands actually and I think I did a shoot in Austria so I I need to have a bit more money coming in and I just thought if I used, again it was all the savings I had and the first time I'd had savings in my whole life but I thought if I use those savings and buy like a bunch of camera stuff. Yes.
1: Yeah, I yeah, could yeah. make another film. film. Yeah, yeah.
2: And so that's what I did. I kind of, I left with that money, spent all the money I had Amazing. and bought like all this like camera gear that I had no idea how to use. Yeah. Lighting gear, sound gear so I could um That's shoot. always
1: going to be a good thing because yeah. you're always going to cut your cost. You've bought it now. You can even loan this stuff yeah, out to people exactly. for exactly. So that's, and I was, that's That's it. And smart. I thought, I'll
2: take what I've learned from Wydens. I will go online to YouTube and try and figure out how to learn how to use everything and I will shoot
1: a short documentary which is the Samira doc that mm. I shot so yeah I was going to actually speak about Samira because I came and watched yeah! that at what, what film BFI. festival um, was it?
2: it was oh, Seoul Seoul, Seoul, Seoul. Fe- yeah, yeah, yeah Seoul
1: festival at the BFI oh my god it was so good it was so so good oh, and I was oh. so so proud of you to have that and just you know showcase your work on that platform and it was just, it was really, really, really incredible. And then that went on to be, was it nominated for? Yeah, a few things. Yeah, it
2: got nominated for quite a few awards, and then it yeah. won um, best short short award at London Independent Film Festival.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I mean, they they say there's, there's a saying, and obviously I know we've just said we are on a journey, but they say it takes your whole life to become an overnight success. So the reason why I'm saying that is because you've made quite a number of films since samira haven't you yeah. and you have actually been nominated and won quite a number of of uh, um, awards for your work How how does that feel now to be in that position? I know you're probably going to say you're not where you want to be quite yet, but is that quite overwhelming? And and also you got signed as well. Like, talk me through that that process because that's been it's been quite recently. Yeah, 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 really recently. I think
2: I got signed a year and a half ago, and that's Mm. kind of where things kind of blew up a bit. You know, I've been working quite a lot since then. Um, I think. To uh, so the first part of the question about, uh, what's the first part again? Was that about, uh, was it about the awards? How does it feel yeah, to be the Yeah, how,
1: how it feels to be, yeah.
2: Um, it's a good question. I think, um, I, I think I'm not going to like my answer. I think, <laughs> cause I don't want to sound ungrateful. I really, really don't. Like it's it's weird and it's it's weird because the human mind and the psyche is weird because I've wanted to win awards my whole life. Yeah, of course. My whole life I've been dreaming about winning awards. to be recognised.
1: Yeah, to be recognised. That little girl that was like in this, you know, working for this production company and being totally ignored and overlooked. Yeah. And and today, yeah. look what's happening.
2: It's like a dream come true. And it's, yeah. it's weird because it's what I've always wanted. And it's like, exactly like you said, it's, it's to... Ha- i'd always said i've never ever wanted to be famous i've never liked the idea of being famous but i'd love to be known and respected for a craft that i do within certain circles that's what i've always wanted um and my work be appreciated so to to win those awards i know on paper it's like my dreams coming true but there's Mm. something about um the human mind that makes it very hard to sort of sit with that accomplishment okay. and yeah, yeah. and and revel in it and I, and I try to be more conscious and make mm. myself do that for periods because I'm very much like Is I'm very ambitious not, so I'm like go 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 yeah. go go.
1: I was going to say you're not, you're not really living in the moment you're just yeah. kind of like yeah. right okay we've done this on to the next thing yeah. I'm, I've yeah. got things to
2: do and because I've been so ambitious since I was really young um, I think you you've set out subconsciously or consciously you set out like your ambitions that you want to achieve so mm. I think it sounds so terrible because it shouldn't be that way but you're like, my friend said this once before, a friend of mine, the same friend who's a lot more further along in his career than me and he got nominated for a BAFTA nice. and he told me and I was just like, oh my God, that's so <laughs> amazing. This is so good. You've won this so long and I was genuinely like overjoyed and so happy for him Yeah. and he was like so like nonchalant and blasé and was just like, oh, just, like it's not a big deal. I haven't won it yet. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. And I really didn't get why he responded that way and I think I've got it over time and I think he was kind of saying that at that point in time he was still a struggling broke mm. artist he was like I was eating so beans I, out of yeah, team yesterday yeah. so what does it matter if I have a BAFTA yeah. nomination yeah. <laughs> and and I kind of got it at the time but I kind of didn't get it until yeah. you're kind of like further along there yourself yeah I think you you I think the jobs that we do I'm not saying that my job is in any any stretch like an important job or one of the hardest jobs. It's not. But we work flipping hard. Yeah, of course. So when you you go through the motions that it takes for you to evolve enough to do the job and then you manage to do it well with all the limitations and restrictions that come flying at you, when you finally make the piece and it still actually just bloody works, one, I think that's where you feel a sense of achievement. You're like, I fucking did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before it's even been seen. And then when it's, I guess... um, when it's sort of like received well, and I don't mean it's an arrogant way at all, but you think like, well
1: Yeah Yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> I've put my blood yeah, sweat yeah, in tears. You died pieces. making that film Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah. I, no money. Yeah, I had no money. I was money. trying to pay like, you know, yeah. all these people that were on my team yeah. and all of this, so yeah, no, I, I yeah. Totally... You're
2: like you're like I'm like thank you so much because you mm. can still do all that and have no, no like rec- like no um what's the word no um recognition no recognition. No recognition yeah, yeah, so I yeah. do completely appreciate it, but I kind of got what he said. You he. You, to him you win a BAFTA so that you can then make your feature print products that you've written it's yes, not It's yeah. not just because you have this award it's because it's going to help you yeah, in your career yeah.
1: it's, it's just going to be a bolster isn't it yeah. it's going to be like oh okay so you know any people that want to invest into your program <laughs> well, now, you, will now yeah. invest because yeah, you, yeah. You, <laughs> they're yeah. Like, oh yeah they're BAFTA and, uh, nominee or winner or whatever it exactly. is exactly so yeah, yeah. yeah and what's cool.
2: the second part of your question
1: um, it was about getting signed as yeah, well yeah. like obviously you did speak a bit about that earlier and like, what was the process? Was that something you actively sought, or was that um, something where you kind of headhunted?
2: Yeah. Um. Let me think. God, I feel like with my last answer, I sound like an asshole. No, I'm just no, being really no. honest. Not at all. Okay. Not at all. So, I hope so. Let me just ask the last question. I do feel genuinely really grateful as well. I genuinely feel grateful as well. I'm really happy, and they are all on my mantelpiece. Oh, yes. So, I, and I do look at them and cherish them. Just add that there. Um. Yeah. Being signed. Um. It was a kind of. Uh, longish but smooth process when I did um, when I was still unsigned I I don't know if you heard of the smalls they're like an on sort of they're online but they sort of basically put out um, briefs for um, different pitches for different different um, companies across the globe sure and they basically pitch to people who are unsigned so anybody can kind of look at the oh. the ads and then do a response yeah. So they did, uh, they put out a call out for a director who could um, direct a film for Google Deep Mind and I just kind of put my, sent my films in and kind of did an application yeah. and then I um, got shortlisted and then kind of won the pitch to kind of direct uh, that. is
1: that the one you did in, Am- was it Amsterdam you went over to? Do? No. no, I was. No, you were in Amsterdam at the yeah, time. Yeah,
2: I was just, back. had to come, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, got yeah. Good yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I
1: had to come back to do it
2: and basically when I, I, I worked with Mar- Tasha Bloom, who um, produced it, basically, as a favour to me. And she she's uh, kind of a big producer, she's senior producer in advertising. So uh, we went to school together, so it was kind of a great marriage for her as an experienced producer to kind of support me as a newbie director. director. And basically, all it was is that when we were shooting, she took some pictures of me and put them on Instagram. And then, because she's much more connected in the world... Um, uh Georgie McKekken at Caviar saw the photo of me and Tasha saying, you know, direct amazing director, blah blah yeah, blah. And yeah, she's yeah. like, who's this director? I haven't heard of. Oh, who is she? <laughs> tell me about this woman. <laughs> intro, yeah, intro. Yeah, intro. Tell me. About, literally, intro, intro, <laughs> tell me who this woman is. And Tasha, lovely, um, lovely woman's kind of um sold me to her as I said how how lovely nice. I am and all that and then she was like I want to meet her yeah so literally this was like a few years ago I I met she kind of set it up and I, I met this lovely woman Georgie at Caviar and we kind of went into town and just had drinks and just kind of had like a really lovely chat nice. and she kind of just like got to know me and what I wanted to do and kind of told me a little bit about how the industry works um and kind of said how it's gone for other people who've kind of been signed and just kind of gave me a bit of an in on how what could happen and said that they're interested in working with me. Um, And then we kind of parted ways and then she just stayed in touch with me. And like nothing happened in terms of movement, but she always checked in to see how I was doing, checked in to see if I had any more work, Just, just kind of kept that relationship yeah, there even yeah, yeah, though know, yeah, yeah. nothing really happened and nothing yeah. came up that I could work on because how it would normally work with them is that before they sign you they would do they would work with you unsigned so if, uh, a, smaller, if a smaller pitch came in something from Nowness yeah. something from I don't know Sky Arts or one of those sorts of types of things mm. they could give you a smaller job and give you a chance you know yeah. give you a chance to see what you do see how you work together and nothing really came that was quite right I think I pitched on I did like a sort of a faux mock pitch just to show that I could write a treatment which was probably quite terrible, <laughs> um, and then like maybe like a year, year and a half went by, but she stayed. And every couple of months, That's she amazing. got in touch. She
1: obviously felt like some sort of vibe yeah, with you, yeah. Really, that kind she just wanted to yeah, keep that. Lead, yeah, really
2: caring and really nurturing. So she just always checked in and had kept saying I should meet meet Soroka Shepherd, who's the um, creative director MD of Caviar. Um, and again, we just we kept trying to meet, but just being busy with meetings or she was flying on shoots, so it just didn't happen. And then uh, a couple of summers ago. A pitch came in and they got back in touch and I was in Amsterdam and they were like, this, this project would be perfect for you. And the, and the people who were Football Beyond Borders had already seen my work and were really eager to work with me um and so they said this could be that job that we do you know unsigned and just see how see how we go yeah and maybe you know down the line months down the line we can look at if we want to you know take this into a more formal relationship and then two weeks into working on uh that football beyond film with abby and yasin um they kind of called me in a meeting we're like we want to sign you, we oh want to sign you gosh. now, we want to really? sign you right now, yes. Off of the back of Yeah, we were that. two weeks in, to we weren't even, hadn't made the film yet, we were two weeks in and they were oh like, we want to sign
1: you. Oh my God.
2: Um, which was amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was amazing, that was really, really amazing, because that's what I was wanting, you know, yeah. what I really wanted. And I think when I made the documentary Samira, which I ended up, like I said, shooting myself, doing sound myself, just kind of doing everything myself apart from the edit. Mm. Um when I first done the first edit myself actually, which was was appalling, um, it was an appalling first edit, but it was, it was an edit that was sort of like, a little bit sort of like, I was trying to go for more of an art house thing, yeah, 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 a bit yeah, more yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. know, yeah. that kind of vibe. And I sent it around to a few people and um, one other friend, the editor friend I had, gave me some advice and he was just like, you've got to think about what, what you mean? want that film to do for you yes. not about like how, how cool you feel about looking at the film yeah. like what is that film going to do for you yeah. and be specific about what you want it to do and he asked me on the phone I was just like well actually with where I am at right now again not much money earning money but not much money I want, I want to be able to be signed one day I yeah. want to work in you know production with a production company commercials that kind of thing bring some money in yeah of course and he was like well you then need to think about how you edit, edit. it and he kind of spoke a bit about you know the structure of something was a bit more kind of snappy, that Mm. was a bit more in line with the kind of ad space. Mm. And so it went from like a 15 minute edit to like a three minute film Mm. that kind of had like a a kind of snappy intro with a one liner that brought you into the story, bit of music, and then you're into the story and it's tight and it's like, you
1: know- It mm, just gets you. It just just grabs you you. and it's so mad because I was literally gonna bring up the Football Beyond Borders Mm. campaign because, oh my God, if you're listening, Go and look at the football Beyond Borders campaign um, that came out in 2021. Uh, I think so. Yeah. I believe it's 2021. It the came very beginning out. of yeah, January 2021. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and um, it was uh, the films that you did. It really goes deep. Yeah, and Abby being black and sixteen, amazing short pieces. But as you said, snappy yeah. and evoke so much emotion, especially um, Abby being black and sixteen. Yeah. It was shot in my hometown, Forton Heath. And I just related to that story so yeah, much, the poetry. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. just cinematically, incredibly yeah. incredible. Yeah. Editing on point, yeah. so, so good. And obviously it came off the back of the Black Lives Matter yeah. movement as yeah. well. So, how what I'd like to know from you is sort of how important is it to show these types of subject matters through through film? I think incredibly important
2: and I think what drew me to that project in the first place was the fact that um, Football Beyond Borders work with um, young kind of school-aged children across the UK um, and kind of help them help them with extra support so if they need help kind of finishing school or any extra help with their kind of curriculum and kind of extracurricular activities like fun things creative things to kind of give these kids a good kind of start in life Yeah, and so one of the things they were doing um particularly if you COVID in lockdown is doing kind of different sessions with the young people. And I think this was even before I came into the kind of uh, mix, I think it was so important that they were supporting children who I think really suffer with a lot of mental health issues, right. kind of losing their infrastructure that school is for these kids. Yeah. So when they're kind of kind of bringing creativity to these kids, um, one of the projects being... Um, uh Beyond Bars, which was a poetry, spoken word project they did with the kids. Mm. This was like a really great tool for the kids to have a voice.
1: Yeah. And
2: um, they were going through so much and and being isolated to have that platform to kind of be able to express themselves I think was really, really key. So I think kind of like going back to your question about is it important, I think it's incredibly important and the mm. the fact that even just even if you just give kids a pen and paper it's going to help them of express course. themselves it's like healing it's cathartic yeah, That's why yeah, i yeah. write it's cathartic yeah. so i think when i came on board to support um basically all the kids kind of wrote their spoken word poems in the class and then they kind of elected their winners and nice. then Yasin bay um won and abby sims won so it was their poems that were get turned into films right so i think coming on board to that knowing that their words were about their lived
1: experience. This was, like, how they genuinely Incredible. felt. Incredible. Um, and, and how that must feel to them yeah. to see yeah. that this thing that they've written down has translated yeah. into something so, you know, it's something to be proud of yeah. for them. Yeah, yeah, you yeah know, absolutely. And that you've been able to help them yeah. tell that story.
2: Absolutely. And I think what I do love about for as well, when you get it right, is, is um, especially this, because it's like, it's fiction, but it's dot .co at the same time, um, is that when the films are completed that you see it in when you because i was seeing them watch it or kind of spoke to them after they watched it and seeing their sense of ownership of the piece which i think is just really beautiful because even though it's like my imagination it's my interpretation yeah but they so took to it that
1: it's like they think it's theirs Theirs. as well yeah Yeah, yeah. which i'm like that's that's the result that's the result (laughs) definitely oh my god yeah lovely um just moving on to obviously you've done a number of projects. What would you say is like your favourite project to date? Favourite project as in what I liked the end result of or the process? Um let's go with what you like the end result of. End result of. Um let's do both. I think I think process,
2: um, probably Abby being black and sixteen. Nice. And probably um, it really goes that deep for Yas as well, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Something about working with the young people. Yeah, It just was, it was such a wholesome experience. Yeah. And I think, going back to what we were saying before about when I started out in the industry and how the, climate, the kind of climate was different, being finally like at the helm as a director mm. and being able to pull my teams together and, and just being able to have the opportunity to... Um, have that awareness and consciousness to be able to create the kind of environment that everybody would feel oh, seen and exactly. heard and me and my, um, my producer Tash would sit and have these conversations about you know who we'd hire and how we'd hire and, and, and how we'd pull things together so and, important Yes, yeah, so yeah, important yeah. and how we can make it we feel we need you we yeah. need people like
1: you Lainia yeah. honestly I'm working we with do. young
2: people and we just yeah. thought really about both of those two individuals and what they would need as well as what I would need to make that set you know really I mean even on Abby's Abby's, <laughs> Abby's set I loved I just I love of the fact that when we had our lunch, we ordered, and this is just set it to a T, we ordered, we ordered from two places. We ordered from I think it was like a Nigerian place and yeah. we ordered from a Caribbean place. So we nice. had like jollof rice yeah, yeah, yeah. and then like curry go and like literally the whole works <laughs> yeah. and like all eating at Abby's house yeah, and the lovely. whole set and just like people of different cultures just yeah, all yeah. enjoying it. And I was yeah. like,
1: this is kind of not, really not special. Not like your little sandwiches and your little <laughs> crusty rolls that you might normally get on a film set because yeah. I've been there yeah. and you're like, this is not holding it's me not, for the next yeah. 10 hours. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> and everybody, like everybody, no matter what colour they were, were just like enjoying that <laughs> yes, food. Yes, Um,
1: It's that cultural
2: exchange. Yeah. And yeah. and it, and because of that, because we were coming together for these kids, it, it it just went into that kind of selfless space more. Like even when it was like long hours or whatever, like you, yeah. you you knew it was bigger than us, you know. Yeah, sure. And then in terms of the output, I think Abby's film is definitely up there. But I think I have this thing where when I make something. I, because you spend so much time editing it and mm. you're so close to the footage, even though you can objectively know it's good, you kind of don't feel the thing that everyone else feels when mm. they watch it. So I tend to need to like leave my films for like a year or two Before and then I back. watch it and I'm like, oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> I killed that. <laughs> oh my God, i good. <laughs> so that doesn't happen for a couple of years. Um, so yes, yeah, so I think when I look back at um, Ticking the Turkey, that yeah doc. When yeah. I when now that I have the perspective of being older and knowing that I was twenty seven had no money, we we made that film on three hundred pounds, just two people going into the townships. I'm like, not only is it like a, a a good film to watch, but I'm like, I think it's incredible that we achieved that, and I can see that now. And I'm like, and I watch it and I'm moved by it.
1: Yeah, amazing. Um, I always like to ask my guests about. Um, because obviously this is not like particularly an educational um, podcast, but I just want to highlight people that are in various types of industries and how they can, you might not actually want to be in this particular industry, but maybe some transferable skills, personality types, like what do you think or who do you think you need to be to be in your position? Sort of what kind of, could be drive, it could be, you know. Mm, I think it's a really good question. I think the way you phrased it is really good
2: because you said, who do you need to be to to do this? And I think, I think, I think about that question a lot because I kind of think I reverse engineer it in the sense that I've known that I wanted to do this career for so long, but I haven't necessarily... I didn't naturally possess necessarily the the attributes that would make me good at the job. And so I, I think every time I hit a roadblock, in my career I think who do I need to become in order to be able to take this next step up and that might mean that I need to get over my shyness or I might need to be more assertive or I might need to be more confident or I might need to write more might need to be more disciplined and then I make myself become that thing right so I don't think it's necessarily that you you're the person that just already has all of these great attributes and you're suited to the job and that person isn't I think you can develop a lot of the things that you need to become successful and I think if I Try and be quite pragmatic about it. Yes, and take the emotions. I'm very emotional, but I try and take the emotions to kind of to put them to one side sometimes, mm. and just be like, well, if you do still really want this dream, and you do still, you know, you need this, you're that passionate, you're that passionate, yeah, and you're gonna have to make some changes and some sacrifices to get there. Yeah. So I'd say, I'd say more about it's more about, um, I'd say, be really sure that you want it because. I don't think kind of any careers come that easy. So be sure that, especially if you're doing something creative, be sure that you really, really, really want it. Yeah. Because um, I kind of think, and I've heard this before, like unless you really, really want it, like it's a burning desire in your dream. I don't think you should go, yeah. go for it. I really yeah. don't. Because it's going to take that fire to deal with all the hurdles and the obstacles and the setbacks. and the Definitely to keep going. Yeah. You're yeah. going to need that drive and the fire. So I'd say if you've got that passion, then I'd say it's about kind of, constant growth and um, learning and exposure and whatever creative craft you're into it's about um, you know as much um, be prolific make as much work as you possibly can um, and just learn from mistakes I think you learn by failing I think you learn by making mistakes so don't be afraid of that and I think that's what I think has come to me over time now that I'm making more and more work is that the biggest lessons I've learned have been when things have gone wrong. Yes. And, 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 I, and I think if things went right every time, I wouldn't have learned what I've learned. And but what you were saying before about how it, my career, things seem to have kind of fed into each other and layered yes. in. That's what you find. So like, I don't feel like any wrong turn I've taken was a wrong turn because it's all, it's led, it's all led me here. Exactly. And things that I learned in one place, I now, it, it comes yeah, back yeah, to yeah. play. Like it really does. So yeah. just, yeah, just keep kind of pushing. I'd say it's really good as well to... Uh, if you can, it's not always something one can do, but to surround yourself with people who are a bit ahead of you. Yes, yeah, I yeah. I think yeah. that helps. Um, yeah. It can help. Um, yeah. uh, it can help for a bit of healthy competitiveness. It can help. Um, I find for me, and this is a personal thing for me, I find when I, and I think it's maybe different for other people, but when I see somebody who's like my peer or around my age group doing something kind of phenomenal, um, or just really good, or doing really, really well. I I never really get jealous. I always mm. just see it as like really inspiring, and I'm like, yeah, well, yeah, if they yeah. can, do it. G- can do, I I genuinely it. believe, like, if you can do it, yes. I can do it. Like, yeah, yeah, I genuinely
1: yeah. believe that. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, I never like feel down by, it and it gives me more fuel. Um, yeah. So I think if you can surround yourself with people who are yeah in a similar place or on a similar vibe, even in a different field, but on a similar, similar kind fi- of
1: yeah, yeah vibe,
2: I think that can. It, it just something cl- like clicks whenever I talk to my friends like I said who are a bit further longer than me and and they what I notice is they'll say that they'll say something about you know how much they're earning now or, mm-hmm. or what they're doing now and I think well like when my friend would go to LA and start pitching years ago and I'd be like I can't my I brain can't even imagine can not that. even compute like yeah 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 even though I want to be care, no, yeah. no 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 <laughs> not happening not happening ever no never happening um and then like you know two weeks ago I was in LA yeah, pitching yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah so it's that thing where because he did it it wasn't it was too early for me but I could see your mind yeah, adjust yeah, yeah, to yeah. it and the you far, know what the, the path is start yeah you know what the path is exactly and, and you know even when I did pitch luckily he was there when I was there because the day before the day I think the day or the day before I was like but how do I do it what do I say <laughs> what do I what like, you say? And he was like, oh, just "Talk about your film,
1: Talk about your series again, and we kind of spoke about it." And we were like, "Okay, you can say that." I was like, "Okay, okay, okay I've got yeah. now, I've got now, I've got now." So, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. now, do you know what my next com- uh, my next question was going to be? What inspires you and keeps you going? But to be honest, I think you've just answered that. Um, but uh, but I wanted to tap into sort of you being a woman in the industry, um, where you're at today. Um, I mean, you're signed now. Do you find that you're not coming up against some of the barriers that you might have before? Or would you say? I'd say um I'd say
2: it's a mixture. So I'd say on the one hand, I feel incredibly supported um, with Caviar. Like they're something about the way one, everyone's bloody nice, like everyone's mm-hmm. lovely, which is so important. But two, they're very supportive, like they've just done like a um, training like unbiased training things like that they're trying to um be progressive they're they're great. trying to learn they, you know they said to me before you know if anything were to come up in terms of rates like that the, the oh that's rules fantastic are open. so supportive that's, that's incredible so really really great in that respect but then i think at the same time i think
1: because you're at the helm of most of yeah. your projects so
2: yeah i'd say my my one of my issues is that I know it's um, from what I hear because I guess like Netflix and a few of those bigger kind of giants um, take a lot of the kind of um, staff, but the, the, the crew. Mm. So when you're doing a commercials job and uh, it's always very last minute, like mm. I get a call to pitch. I start pitching that day and that week and mm. then I win the job and then, you know, you're in pre-production mm. and you're shooting. So what will happen often is when I'm like, uh, Caviar maintains the same ethos as myself, which is you know real inclusive teams um, across the board from head, head of departments trickling down, and even though that's my stance, every single time I do another shoot, I reiterate it just so that you know everyone everyone's always, on everyone the same page. This is important to me. Um, we need to do this, and then what we've found is that because so last minute, you often can't find you can't find people of color mm. um, crew when you need need that mm. level of diversity, and mm. that's that's hard because you want. I want all of my sets to be inclusive at all times, mm. but also as a, a black woman, I I think about my experience as well. Like I don't want to be on set and be the only person mm. of colour and how yeah. does that affect me? Like what if I'm shooting abroad and I'm the only person of colour yeah. in the remote parts of a country? Like yeah. it's that side that still affects me is that even though I'm in the room, who's in the room with me?
1: Exactly. I love that. I love that you think that way. Um, I wouldn't... F- before any other day, di- any, yeah, before yeah, yeah. any yeah. differently. But it is so important because I was speaking in another episode with someone who was saying, you know, there's some people that just want to kind of go in and be the representative yeah. and close the door. And I think it's so important that there are so many of us that are talented, that yeah. want these opportunities that don't always get it. So when we've got people like you in positions of power yeah. to be able to um, make sure that there are so many ah. different, yeah. you know, people reflected you yeah know, gay white yeah. asian black woman you know yeah whatever yeah because so i kind important. of feel like i
2: don't i i i really uh borderline resent when like i said it's, it's it's a great honor to be given the seat at the table and to be at the helm as well mm. but i i i don't speak for everyone i don't yeah. even speak for every black person yeah of mean? Course. like you know, of course you know what i mean oh my God. so it's it's yeah. it's just that it's just kind of we're making progress, but there's still a long way to go. And like I said, I don't want to be the only woman in the edit or the only person of color in the edit. And that can happen because you just don't always have the staff. And uh, so I'm still, I'm still personally butting up against things. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, do you have anything coming up that you're working with that you can working on rather mm. that you can share or what's next for what's you? What's next for yeah. me? You did mention earlier that you were in LA. Yeah. Uh, so so I don't know if you yeah want
2: to... yeah I won't say too much about it. But I I am I've I've just been redrafting a yeah my comedy pilot. Um, that's set in London and Amsterdam. Um, and yes, yeah, so I've just nearly finished my I think my third or my fourth draft, and so hopefully it'll be ready to kind of be sent out soon. Um, I kind of can't wait to get more eyes on it as well to get some feedback. Um, yeah, because it's obviously writing's quite insular. Um, so there's that and I would like to go back to LA at some point this year to um, set up some more meetings and do some more pitching. Um, and then beyond that, I'm sort of uh, on commercials and stuff as well. So hopefully some more some more interesting campaigns to work Amazing.
1: on. So we'll stay tuned yeah. for more work by Lainey Richardson. Yeah. <laughs> I'd really also
2: love, hasn't happened yet, I'd really, I haven't really done any music videos with Caviar and I would love, I keep sort of like saying, like I've been yeah, banging on, I yeah. wanna direct Afrobeats videos. Yeah, oh. So if oh you know any God. artists, that's the, where I wanna be.
1: Okay, okay, I'll put the feelers on. Yeah, out that's what sure. I really wanna do. Okay, and I don't okay. think I know of
2: any female directors directing Afrobeats and I just, I.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't. Know. I don't, know. I don't, I don't know. know. I
2: don't know. I don't know if there are, but yeah. I'd like to but, do but that. Yeah, that's I'll, I'll, that's I'll my keep that, vibe. That in mind, Thank for
1: you. sure. Um, so I like to do like a little bit of a fire round. So like mm. we, what we've been speaking about has been very interesting, um, but I just want to loosen ourselves up before we go. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just going to ask you a number of questions. It's very snappy. <laughs> as much I can do as that. You can. <laughs> I will. I'll try. Um, but yeah, let, let's get into it. So. Name your favorite artist or band from the 90s. Oh Jesus. Oh my god,
2: the 90s. Yes. <laughs> um Oh my god, I don't know. 90s. Oh, uh
1: TLC. TLC, yeah, good one. Oasis yeah. maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um Your dream holiday destination. Oh, dream holiday destination. Um mm,
2: Let's go with Tanzania.
1: Oh, okay. Oh, I've always wanted to go there. Definitely need to go there. Um, Summer or winter? Summer. A memory from the last 12 months that you think about and instantly makes you happy? Last 12 months. Last 12 months.
2: Oh, there was a nice hug from a mum. Oh, lovely.
1: (laughs) In these times Exactly in these times, times, in these times. you, know, so yeah. you got to get the <laughs> yeah. hugs You know yeah. when you can get them yeah. So I get that um, If you had one TV show To watch forever What would it be?
2: Ooh, That's R- hard Reruns Reruns mm.
1: Do you know what? It's such a like cop out answer but I'd say friends. Oh, good one. Yeah. Do you know what? I've seen a lot of stuff online about people saying, "Oh, I don't really get it. I don't really get yeah, it." Um, I've had, yeah, I've had. I don't know if it's people that's like younger. younger than yeah. Us. <laughs> I'm like, friends is incredible. Yeah,
2: yeah. if my friend who's our age doesn't get it. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't like it. I'm like, what? And it's it's not, not a perfect show. Like, it has issues. It was of obviously course. over a certain period of time. Yes. But I don't even watch it. But. What I found is, like, I watch it at really, like, unusual points in time. Like, when yeah. I had to go to hospital, I'd put on Friends before I went in. It's something, like, really, like, nostalgic and childhoody about yes. it. yeah. So yeah, we yeah, watch yeah. it often, but yeah. when I'd need it, it would be, yeah. I think, good. What would, so? what would your answer to that um, one? Oh.
1: Mine would be Everybody Hates Chris. Oh, okay. Yeah, Aww. I love that. <laughs> I love it. It's so funny. Yeah. I can watch that over and over again. Um. Right your least favourite subjects at school and why? Least favourite subject at school and why? Um,
2: do you know what? I really didn't like D&T, design technology. Oh, okay. And I don't understand why because... When I think about it now, yeah, yeah, I should yeah. really connect with that. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it was—I was really, I'm really creative, and I love yeah, building things and yeah, making yeah, things. Yeah. But I think it was just taught in like the most dry way. It's always and, I, and like, I know it's obvious how it connects to the real world, but I don't think they really kind of made me understand how yeah. this could work into yeah life. So yeah, I just found yeah, it really yeah. boring. But I love yeah. interior design, so yes, yeah. I should have loved it, but I didn't. Yeah,
1: I think oh, teachers can really ruin a yeah. subject, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> right, street food or fine dining? Street food, yeah. Pet peeves on set.
2: My pet peeve is I have a lot of dietary requirements, like I'm gluten intolerant okay. and dairy intolerant, yeah. And, and I don't want I'd never want to be the diva director. <laughs> I don't want to do, I never want to say, I don't want to cause a fuss, I don't want to draw attention to myself, but quite often it's overlooked, right?
1: Oh no, yeah, and then I'm like it's really? lunchtime and I, yeah and they're like yeah. oh sorry can you oh no one told me can, yeah can you eat this instead no, no. i can't <laughs> i can't i told you <coughs> it's um probably probably that yeah, yeah and when and when things are just one. like really
2: behind schedule yeah and people are sort of like acting like like really chilled about it yeah like really chill <laughs> like super chilled you're like but oh uh,
1: yeah um <laughs> cinema or theater Oh, that's a toughie. I had to sit in markers of
2: yeah. who I am, yeah, but yeah, I do yeah. love the theatre as well.
1: If you could be mayor of London for the day, what Ooh. would you change or implement? Oh, definitely, I would tackle homelessness. Oh, yes. And mental one. health, mental health yeah, and yeah, homelessness, yeah. So yeah. Um. What are you most grateful for? Uh, I'm most grateful for
2: being alive and my health. Oh yes. my gosh, my health and my mental health. Um... And being able to like see people again, like yes. be around people,
1: yeah. yeah, definitely. And my friends with my family because they're all dope. And then my favorite final question: dinner with Beyonce or dinner with Solange? None
2: of Beyonce, them. Beyonce, Beyonce, <laughs> Beyonce, yeah, Beyonce. I think, I think, yeah, I think Beyonce. Yeah, Beyonce. Yeah.
1: that's the first.
2: That's the really? first person. Really, the first person. Yeah, yeah but she
1: could me up some work. Con, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the not this Slang Khan though. Not the Slang Khan. Yeah, yeah. But I think Beyonce so. will bring in the big bucks. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Um, so finally, we're going to go on to Lainey's Jewel. So every episode. Obviously, it's called Drop the Jewels podcast. Lainey has dropped some amazing jewels today, but I want her to drop her final jewel mm. for the listeners. So what would you leave... What's your... Ooh. Yeah, what would you leave for people Ooh. today? What would
2: you leave for people
1: today? It could be a mantra that you live by. It could be something that someone told you on the way here. It could be something, you're, yeah. like, something that's inspiring. Um,
2: The only thing that comes to mind... I, I don't want to sound morbid at all, and I don't mean it's in a morbid way in the slightest... But like life's life's short man so you know I think whether it's your career or your personal life or romantic whatever it is I think you know go for what you want because we only live once you Absolutely know? we yeah, only so just live yeah
1: once. make the most of it Yeah Amen to that, girl. Well, thank you so much for coming today. Thank it's been it's been amazing. It's been so speaking fun. to you, catching up, and I've not seen you in ages. Yeah. In ages. So it's so been so good to touch base and find out about all the things that you're doing um and going to be doing. And yeah, I just want to send all my love and wish you all the best with everything that's coming. Um you will continue to see this woman's name in lights. And yeah, we just wish you all the best. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. It's been really, really good fun. Yeah. So if you could just let the people know where we can find you.
2: Yeah. If you go to LaineyRichardsonFilms.com, you'll find my website. Uh, And I'm also on Instagram at London. Yes. Amazing.
1: So my final duel for today is about finding a skill that can feed you financially and keep you going whilst you feed your passion it's so hard when you've got something passionate that you want to pursue and you haven't got the financial backing sometimes you just need to get that skill that you can use time and time again that's going to fund and feed you until you get to the place that you need to be thank you for listening today And make sure to comment, to subscribe and share the podcast. And you can continue to listen anywhere you can find podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, that's JulesPod. And on Insta, that's Pod. This has been Podcast, and you've been listening to Martine. Catch me again on the next episode with another great guest.